Hello and welcome back to a brand new, fresh, eager, rejuvenated me. Not without my sister. Thank you all so much for waiting around and we're glad that we're back. It's December. It's a new season, a new season of life, Beatrice. Is it December? Is this not releasing on Tuesday? Because that's still November. That's still November. <laughs> it's, it's almost December. December. No, 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 no. We're not releasing this on Tuesday. We're releasing this on Tuesday week. Oh, that's what I said to you. Yeah. Are you not releasing this on Tuesday? And I said no. Oh, because that's still November. Oh. So this is out Tuesday week. Oh. oh. So it is December. It's December. It's December. <laughs> God, that means I've opened I've opened all my advent calendars. Well, you've opened seven of them. Oh yeah, seven days worth. By the time this episode is released, you will be a quarter of the way through your advent calendars. How many advent calendars do you have? Will I? Yeah, this is December 7th. One, two, three, four. Hold on, let me count on my fingers. 24, but 20... Yeah, okay, fine. Actually, more than a quarter. Almost a third. Almost. How many, how many advent calendars, calendars do I personally have? I have oh, none. No, no, in your home. We have a cheese one from Aldi. Ooh. I don't really know who that's for. It might be for you. I have a Bon Mama jam one for mother. That's cute. I have a whiskey one for Don. I almost bought the Bon Mama jam one for you. And Brandon was like, does she like jam? I was like, mm, everyone likes no, jam. No, not really. I don't. Oh, do you not? No. So it has right. some honey as well. Your other oh, most hated God, thing. God, no thanks. I have a, well, I mean, I have like the Kinder two ninety nine chocolate one that I might be oh. eating. I have a Lego one. I have a car one. And you know what? I was like, there's so many fights over the fucking advent calendars every year. Just get the one each. Yeah, it was like, I'll get them. No, I'll get two for the four of them. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then one for granny, one for grandpa. But my plan is on December 1st to come down with a big ta-da of the jam one and the cheese one for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then be driven into a rage by their ungrateful faces. You're so mean. <laughs> I want to be like, ta-da. It's going to be so many tears from chance. Oh my God. Why don't you do, this is what you should do for our podcast channel. You should do that thing. You know, isn't it? Um, Jimmy Fallon does that thing where he gets people oh, to, yeah. get to give their kids like an early Christmas present and it's a banana or it's like something. <laughs> Why don't you do that with your kids? Because it's reaction, so mean. Bo's reaction would be. No, it's so mean. I told Bo yesterday that when crisis. we go to the work Christmas party this year, he is absolutely, there aren't, none of us are taking any gifts and he is still trying to wrap his brain around that one. I know. But I, I mean, was there for that yeah. conversation. I was trying to talk him down. Yeah, he's just not. I don't, I think the minute I see his face turning any shade of puce, I just need to pick him straight up, put him in the car. Fair. I mean, to be fair though, I understand because if we had gone, remember we used to go to the IBM Christmas party? Mom was saying that there used to be loads of drink at that. Not for us. I just remember chicken dippers. Of course not. We were kids, but for the adults. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Anyway, listen, let's move on from Christmas and Oven calendars because we're talking about quitting your job. Yes. Which actually, I think thematically, it's a good time. Like, it's not a Christmas topic, but it's a good time because I feel like the end of December is a time when you start to kind of reevaluate. You know what I mean? Going into January, you're like, well, well what do I want to do differently now? Well, Rosemary, don't forget that right now there's the great resignation happening, right? After the pandemic. Oh, yeah. It's like more people leaving their jobs, reevaluating their lives, figuring out what they want to do, etc. What's life all about, as mom would say? What's it all about? What's it all? I mean, what's it all about anyway? And like, you know, are you working to live? Are you living to work? Do you, do you know many people like personally who've left their jobs? 
Well, I mean, during yeah, the pandemic. Yeah, a lot, um, no, because people didn't leave during the pand- pandemic. So there was an artificially like an artificially low level of resignations during the pandemic. So now post, well, not post, but like now deeper into the pandemic, you're seeing a lot more resignations because people who would have quit. But that's but that's kind of what I mean. I'm saying, do you know anybody personally? Do any of your friends or family? Do I mean, you know loads anybody? of people in my in my office have. Oh, I mean, not really? low, but I mean, not loads, but I mean, uh, you know, a, a good few. I mean, it's more that it's all happening at once versus any of it happening over the last 18 months, you know? So I think had it like had it been a normal staggered effect, you'd be like, no, it's not a large number of people. Yeah. But But when it's yeah, when it's 10 people over two years, there's not a lot of people. When it's 10 people in two weeks, it's like, Jesus, what's happening? And it's not it's not in two weeks. Yeah. But yeah, like we're seeing, you know, people are people are leaving like so lots, not lots, but some people I know. Yes have chosen to leave and the majority of them are leaving because they're like, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, everybody's feeling exhausted still. This thing is an ongoing, you know, thing and everybody's feeling drained. Yeah, everybody's feeling super drained. And again, I mean, I think it definitely put things into perspective and people's values have changed. So like what did what mattered to you before probably has been amplified Mm. throughout this whole experience and people are making different choices. So, yeah. So having said that, the question, you know, people are leaving for different, but why did you ever leave? Well, I was actually, at, like, as we were talking there, I was trying to think, I have obviously a lot of friends who have different jobs and I've, you know, there are friends recently who've talked about how they want to leave their jobs or they're looking for other opportunities. And I'm always impressed by people's restraint in a way, because historically, for me, anytime I've decided that I want to leave a job, I literally just hand in my notes that week. Like, whether I have something lined up or not, I cannot, I'm really bad at just sticking it out and biding my time and, like... <laughs> evaluating things now like it might be different now because I have a mortgage and I have a family and I think Brando would murder me if I suddenly was like I'm quitting with no plan you know like whatever I was doing but I think in the past I definitely have just been like I hate this so I'm handing in my notice right now but I, I like I think there have been a couple of times where so I'm trying to think like when I left Urban Outfitters which was a job that I actually really loved and got a great discount 40% it was amazing they still let you although you did Got a great discount, 40%. It was amazing. Although you did have to clean the toilets. They didn't have what? a cleaning lady. Yes, you'd, you'd do the cleaning. Like every Sunday, you'd clean the staff toilets. You'd mop all the floors. You'd do like... Sorry, all the staff. Me, you had to it. clean the toilets? The staff toilets, yeah. Oh. Like a different person would have to do it every week or whatever because they didn't hire a cleaner. They're very cheap, despite the 40% discount. But I really, really liked that job. And I left that because I got offered a job at Zara and the pay was much better. Mm-hmm. So I came in before Zara had, had opened in Ireland and we were doing like two weeks training in London and they were giving us a certain amount of pay and because they hadn't established the brand in or like not the brand but because they didn't have a shop in Ireland they were giving us set commissions so usually in Zara you get commission based on the shop sales but they were giving us like a guaranteed commission of X or whatever and it worked out at like a really good pay and I remember when I had it in my notice actually at Urban Outfitters my manager at the time was like oh my god you're going to be getting paid more than me like in your new job you know kind of laughing going I should have gone for that I think it was because she asked like, oh, why are you leaving? And I was like, well, I just couldn't really turn down. They offered me really good pay. And then I left Zara, which I also quite liked Mm -hmm. because I got offered a job in the civil service, which I had applied for maybe two years, two summers previously in one of their kind of recruitment things. And then you you get added to a pool of like your number 27 or whatever. And and when a job comes up, you'll be offered a job. And then I got offered a job. Mom was like, excellent. Excellent to get into the civil service now. You get into clerical officer, work your way up. Great opportunity. And I left Zara to go and work there. I hate. It. Well, I didn't hate it. I just found it really boring. So moving to Zara was motivated by pay, right? Were you motivated Pretty by? Much, yeah. Because you obviously enjoyed that job, and then you moved to the civil service. Was the pay better, or no, was it? No, no, no. It was so worse. what was it? It was security. It was mom. It was pressure from the mom. Pressure from uh, Blair. 
No, it was it was more um, long term prospects. Yeah, it was just like I didn't think that I was going to work in Zara forever, mm-hmm. and I also felt like at the time the management structure in Zara, it was quite a tough. You know, it was like, like it was quite a tough atmosphere kind of the further up you got. And yeah. I was like deputy head cashier or something. So like the next thing would be I'd be head cashier. And then like if I had stayed basically and I had continued kind of to to move up, I would have ended up being like a regional, regional head cashier or like, you know, national, whatever. And I just don't think I would have liked that. Like what I liked about Zara was interacting with customers and like chatting with the other girls who work there and the kind of camaraderie of that is what I always liked about retail and just like meeting people and, you know, chatting to people, all different people kind of throughout the day. So that's what I enjoyed about it. So I don't think I would have liked getting more into the corporate structure of it. And then when I got off the civil service, it just seemed like, well, you know, it's this kind of reliable, pensionable, you you like get a wage increase mm-hmm. every year guaranteed. You can apply for different jobs. You can also move. Like I liked the idea that you could move around different departments. So like I got in, I, I was working in the Department of Justice, but you can then get moved to foreign affairs or you could get moved to, I don't know what other departments are. Defence. <laughs> <laughs> I did loads of research. Yeah. So what So what actually motivates you? So I mean, after all this, and then you worked in a couple of other places. You worked in the yeah. Irish Times. Yeah, I worked in the Irish Times. I worked in... Stellar. Stellar magazine. I was freelance for a while. I did a lot of freelance stuff for TV3. And I mean, even though like when I moved from Urban Outfitters to Zara, it was kind of motivated by money. It was also the opportunity that I was like this new big brand that's opening on. Like, you know, it'd be great to get in at the beginning. But I think like a lot of my moves haven't been motivated by money. But then I'm, I went from freelance to I applied for a job on LinkedIn that I saw for a wedding, a wedding website that was basically the kind of editorial arm of a Facebook game called Dream Wedding. And I applied for that. And that was purely motivated by money because the money was really good. And I was freelance at the time and I was, you know, I was doing okay, but I was finding it harder and harder to kind of pitch for jobs and to get decent pay for jobs. And like, you know, the kind of TV stuff was great to get and was great for your profile, but it didn't pay well. So when I got offered the dream wedding job, I was like, oh my God, amazing. I'm going to be on this amazing wage. And then that didn't really, like the actual, the game didn't really take off. And I think it just started, it was one of those startups that, like had a lot of investment to begin with, but then they realized they were going to need so much more to actually get it off the ground. And it just didn't end up getting off the ground, basically. So you quit? That was motivated by money, but I quit. But yeah, then in... in, Oh, you also worked in the jewelers. Oh yeah, yeah. I worked for Fields Jewelers. I I think that's a good... In their kind of social media and marketing. I think that's a good example of you deciding you were going to quit and come hell or high water, you were going to quit by Wednesday. And I remember saying to you, like, would you maybe just hang on a little bit longer till you have a plan? Or would you hang on? Like, what are you going to do if you if you quit? And you're like, I don't know, but I just I've got to quit. I have got to quit. And it wasn't so much like yeah. that anything major. No, was no, wrong. no. Yeah, yeah. Nothing had happened. Like, no, it yeah. was more that you had. In, but I mean, I think I think that it's very human, right? Like, because I think about myself and I go, I have these plans that seem so like if I do not do them now, I will explode or just cry all day yeah and then I look back three months later and I'm like oh that doesn't seem as urgent yeah it wasn't so, important like if ha- had you stuck it out well I guess we'll never know but what motivated like what is the bit what is your motivation to quit or to to go elsewhere well n- now I think like it's happiness and I know that's a very privileged position to be in because we don't all get to be motivated by like I'm just going to do what makes me happy you know what I mean that like well it's privileged but it's also and it's also um like it's a trade, it's a trade-off, right? Because you're also choosing that at the expense probably of 
you know well of of kind of job security job security and, of, and and extremely you know you know if, if you'd stayed in those extremely highly highly paying at the time jobs where would you be now you know what yeah, I mean yeah, so exactly. if you'd always yeah. prioritized money you could have more money yeah know? yeah 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 so like, yeah if I'd if I'd prioritize money like especially in say the Zara job I think I could be on six figures now if I was regional head cashier yeah. or whatever yeah but you were really bossy as well so I'm not sure they would have kept you well, no, I was only bossy to my underlings. Yeah, I so. know. So you'd have even more underlings now. So you'd be an absolute tyrant. Yeah, but like the upper echelons wouldn't know how bossy I was. They'd be yeah, like, you're good. You'd she be, gets things done. You'd be good at managing up. Yeah. Like she she, she manages through through fear and intimidation. <laughs> exactly what we like to see. So happiness is what motivates you. Oh, yeah. But I think basically when I was freelance, when I was freelance, um, like my main struggle was and is, right, kind of security and knowing that if I have a shit day or have an off day, I'm still going to get paid, basically. Because like, if you're in a job and you just wake up feeling terrible and feeling unmotivated and like not very creative, you know, you still get paid. You go into work, you do your best or you do your worst that day. Yeah. And you still get paid. Whereas when you're self-employed, if you wake up and you have a day where you're not motivated and you get very little done, you don't get paid because you're only getting paid for the work that you're putting out or the work yeah, that you're Yeah, but you also don't have to keep to reminding do. your manager to pay you. Right, that's the pain in the arse that's that I That's the absolute pain in the arse about being freelance. Yeah, yeah, it's like chasing up invoices, which I actually just did an interview about that last week. A journalist I know contacted me and said, would you be willing to talk about freelancing and not getting paid? And I was like, yeah, like every single job I've done in the last year and a half, I've had to chase up at least three times to go. Can you pay that invoice that was due last week? Can you pay that invoice that was due last week? It's incredibly frustrating. And there was one response I got actually not that long ago that was basically like, oh, I'll uh, see what I can do Um I'll I'll try to make sure that you get paid next week. And I was like, it's already a month late. Like, don't try. Just make sure that I get paid. You know what I mean? It was like, it's really, really frustrating. And half of the time that you spend working is spent in this stupid admin of this invoice is overdue. Very, very frustrating. Okay, so when you quit. But yeah, sorry. Were you totally. So I could talk about that all day. When you quit. Well, so I presume we can listen to the other interview. What What is it? Oh, uh, I actually, I think it was for um, the heyday. That I okay, so we can Jennifer Stevens. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Okay, so we can check that out yeah. elsewhere. All right. So tell me now. So when you've ever quit in your past, were you like super polished, ready to go, confident, just walked in there, hand in your resignation, left? Oh no, I always like have an absolute like break out in a cold sweat, beads of sweat pop up on my arm. I remember when I handed in my notice in Stellar, I was so like, I was practically shaking walking in the door going, Michael, do you have a second? And like handing over my resignation letter. When I resigned in Fields as well, the same, like, oh God, I just always feel like sick to my stomach as, as if I'm about to go out and sing an aria in the National Concert Hall for which I've not practiced or prepared. Like, I feel incredibly nervous about it. I don't know why, because I'm quite confident in like a lot of other areas of my life. I don't think it's unique to you, though. So no. what do you think it is? What do you think is that feeling? Like, what are, what's anybody ever going to say? I mean, the worst they're going to say is like, OK, bye. I don't know. I, I think it's because you feel like you're letting them down or maybe maybe it's kind of like a bloated sense of importance that you're like, God, they're really going to be fucked over now when I leave. You know me that I feel that I have, have felt guilty in the past. I'm like, I'm about to cause this person real hardship. You know, is it or is it more me. that we just like we have we have a conflated sense of Oh, yes. this is it now. Finally. This is what we've wanted. Finally, thanks. Here comes Tillip with a cup of tea. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. Thanks a million. Our parents finally made it over. The travel ban was lifted. They've made it over. They're they're about Aww. to guest star on their own episode of the pod. They don't know it yet. Brilliant. 
Good work. Brilliant. That's what it's all about. Finally, they've realized their roles. Okay. So isn't it also part of it, though, that like we conflate our own self-worth with like not even our self-worth but our value you know you conflate your home life with your work life you know when people say like oh my my work family you know and then yeah. how many people will you actually stay in touch with when you actually leave that job oh I don't think I've ever even thought about that when I've been leaving jobs but I mean it's part of that you're think you feel guilty because you're like I'm abandoning this ship oh yeah you know yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, know I'm letting them all down I'm there I'm as in, they're as invested in me as I am in them and like they are while you're there you know, but then it's a business and they have to get on with it. So you're yeah. gone on Monday and nobody like, OK, there are moments where you go, oh, God, I missed that one. They were brilliant at X, Y and Z. Yeah. Or like they were really great, important members of the team. You know what I mean? In terms of like the morale, et cetera. But in general, you just because ha- I mean, you have to get on with it. What are you going to do? I do remember when somebody handed in their resignation once to me, I cried <laughs> in front of them. Yeah, I was extremely hormonal. I had, like, I had a, I had a two month old. I was super stressed. And she, she came in and I thought we had a really great relationship and I thought we were like really doing great work together. And she came and she's like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm really miserable here. And, uh, you know, it's just been so hard and I just, oh, I hate my job. And I, you. Well, poor me. Egypt. She was mortified. No, but I also feel like that wasn't a nice way to send her off, you know? Like, no, no. That like, I mean, honestly, I don't think she was super upset. I think she was more like, what is wrong with your one? Your one's nuts. You know what I've just remembered? When I left Stellar, right, I was deputy editor and Kirsty, my good friend, was editor. I told her I was leaving when she just, she'd broken her leg really badly and was like, couldn't get into the office and was working from home and having this like incredibly difficult, stressful time. And I was like, I'm leaving. Oh, I remember. Do you? Yeah, mom and I discussed it. Did you? No. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was like, God, I was such a bitch and everyone knew it. But I mean, it's think about selfish. here. I mean, I always absolutely dread leaving as well. Actually, I think I didn't. There was one job that I left and I just, I was on maternity leave and I just wrote in and said, listen, I'm not coming back. Oh, well, when I when I was working in the civil service, I broke my arm and then I was like, I'm not coming back. But I'm not proud of that because now I think it's embarrassing. Like if I was ever to see that person who was my manager again, you know, and at the end of the day, I was entitled to leave. Yeah. Like you're entitled to leave. You're entitled to quit. And I shouldn't have felt, I felt so awkward. I felt like I was really betraying them, you know, because I had had three months maternity leave or two, I, I told them oh, two I and a half months. Mean, yeah. But I didn't want to tell them before that because then of course my maternity leave wouldn't be fully covered you know yeah, yeah yeah I mean I didn't really know I didn't really know like I only made this decision on leave yeah and sorry wasn't that also one of the jobs where like you were basically working 14 hours a day oh yeah 100% and I wouldn't I say mean, it was the most healthy environment you know yeah. but and nobody can have been surprised well there everybody can always be surprised but anyway I mean I think now I should have you know I regret now that cowardly action or that like unprofessional action because I should have just said can I come in I'd like to meet you tomorrow for an hour and I'm just going to, because I mean, there's no argument. I'm leaving. Thanks yeah, very yeah, much, you know. Yeah. And I feel like it would have, ever since then, and whenever I meet any of those individuals, and I have met them since, I feel mortified, you know. Have Have you ever handed in your notice and somebody tried to keep you? All the time, Rosemary. No. Because that happened to me once. <laughs> no. That happened to me once when they were like, no. um, thanks for making me say that out loud. Like, is there anything we can offer you? Well, actually, but I'm... Um, I think it's really foolish because I think once somebody has decided to leave, even if you say to them, OK, say, say if I give you more money, will you stay? You know that they're still looking elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? But that's like in the majority of cases, right? If you were willing to, like, I feel like as well, if people really, if it really is money that they're after or title, like there is value to having a conversation with your manager and saying if, you know, nobody wants to say I'm going to look for another job, Right. But I do think there's value to saying if you know you are a valued employee like and you're good at your job and you have a good relationship like to say I don't want to leave but these things are important to me and I'm yeah. going to have to start 
thinking about that. And like, you don't have to be as explicit as I'm going to start looking. Because I mean, I've also been told I'm going to start looking for a new job and I go, okay, you know, and you immediately kind of start not discounting that person, but at least you're, you're making, you know, no, you're, you're making thinking they're probably not going to be here in six yeah, months. Yeah, you're making so. contingency plans because yeah. you're trying to protect like that part of the business. Yeah. So I, but I think there is value because if people can be transparent, like, and you do want to keep them at the end of the day, it is cheaper to pay somebody a little bit more than to. Oh, than to recruit yeah, for someone new. Not always, right? But mm. like. It can be, you know, and yeah. the trouble of training somebody, it takes at least allegedly nine to 12 months for somebody to get good at their job, you know, yeah. so all of that is. And like, we've also talked about this before that there's no harm. And in fact, it's a positive thing to talk to your manager and kind of express the things that you feel like you're not getting that you want, because often people don't know. Yeah, well, you know, I was thinking about this recently because I was talking with somebody about our, about, you know, career pathing and but the thing is, like, I think you have to be really careful. I'm not sure everybody is fully clear on what motivates them and what they mm. and what they want as their next step. Because very often people say to me, I this and, and people are also reluctant, like because especially for women, it's seen as, you know, it's it's not an admirable trait or they have been yeah. trained regardless of all the things we read and all the things we say. They've been trained to think that like they shouldn't be Too advocating ambitious. for themselves. Yeah. You know, it's it's real like, I'll be rewarded if I work hard enough. You, you know, you might be, but also you're more likely to be rewarded if you work hard enough and if you also advocate for yourself. Yeah. Loudly, you know, not rudely or like not aggressively, but like consistently. Yeah, firmly. Yeah. Yeah, firmly is a good word. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about recently, because like I was saying, there have, you know, in this whole environment, people are leaving and people are talking about what they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. And like lots of things that I'm reading as well. And one of the things I noticed is that people don't necessarily like you You believe when people tell you I don't want, you know, X or I want Y, but actually then they leave and they and they say I left because I, I got offered this other thing. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that's what you valued. Yeah. Because yeah. they've never actually thought about what would what would it take for them to go somewhere else or what would it take? Like, what are they really interested in? And like, if you don't know, you can't work towards that, yeah. you know? But you know what? I used to always think that I wanted... Especially, I think when I started working at the Irish Times, I was so happy because I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm going to, I mean, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make it right as a concept. Like, I'm going to do something, you know, important or not even important, but basically, like, I'm gonna like my name will be known by people, mm -hmm. and I thought that was really important to me. But I think it was only when, then, like, kind of years later, and I was freelancing and I was doing the kind of social influencing thing. And I was like, my name was known by way more people then than when I was at the Irish Times. Like there were more people uh -huh. watching my stories than would read my articles online. Do you know what I mean? But I realized actually that it wasn't about having my name known or, you know, kind of any kind of fame or notoriety. It was more about I needed to feel like the work I was doing was valuable. And I mean, I don't always feel that now. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't feel like, like my money diaries are kind of giving a great value to the world. But there is stuff that I do write sometimes about kind of grief or about breakups or about emigration or you know that Could I you write about feel like happy well emigration is happy but that I feel like is you know important or kind of you know giving name to something that people experience and maybe don't aren't great at processing and I'm, that's not to say that I'm great at processing it either but you know that feels more worthwhile than when I was doing social influencing and doing like a day in the life sponsored by x brand and I felt like even though a lot of people were watching it even though it was well paid even though you know, it was achieving all these things that I thought were important to me. As I was doing it, I was like, this just feels really hollow. Rosemary, goes right back. Claire McCabe, Bastion of Wisdom. What's it all about? What is it all about? And I will tell you that I too have been thinking to myself recently, you know, your career is long. Like one's life is 
short and long at the same time. Like there's another 20 years at least of me working. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And what am I going to fill those 20 years with? Mm. You know, am I going to fill them with what I'm doing today? Will I look back and think that was a rewarding use of my time? Potentially, yes. Like I really enjoy my job and I enjoy what I do. Will I think that was my life? Like it's my life. Will Mm. I look back and think that was my life well spent? Yes, if I prioritize my kids and my family and I can do, you know, with them the things that I want to do with them. Yeah. But I was like, I'm having all these, I'm asking all these questions too, but I think the whole world is asking these questions right now. Like yeah, what's true. it, you know, if a pandemic can come in, sweep over, sweep over the world and like put things in perspective, what is perspective? Yeah. What's the, like, aside from, because they asked you to take, take out your lip ring, which we've already covered. What's, what's the worst or the, the kind of silliest reason you've ever left a job, do you think? Hmm. That's probably it. There are no silly reasons. I mean, yeah. I was really, I don't mean there are no silly reasons. I mean, the other reasons were more just I, well, here's my, here's, here's my pro tip or here's one of the things that I have learned and believe to be true is that I've made decisions in the past based on what I at the time consider to be untenable situations where I could not stay, where this person was so detrimental to my mental health that I could not stay any longer, where the hours were so unreasonable. But I don't know that I ever said I can't work beyond. Now, I also don't think that would have been acceptable in these places, right? The culture was such that. But in every single one of those situations, after I left, after I handed in my notice and agonized over what I was going to do and handed in my notice, the person who was uh, so problematic to me left within the next three months. so annoying. In three of those situations. So now I think there is something to separating like to really working on how do you have that mental wall up you know just like that emotional like and it's so much easier said than done because I you know of course I'm affected by things that happen of course I take things personally of course I get worked up you know but I, I think like you're in it for the long run or you're not you know you could decide I'm not I can't put up with this but yeah. if you can also think to yourself like nothing is forever you know this this too shall pass yeah. And that might be simplistic. Like in each one of these situations, this person was my, you know, was sup- was superior to me, like in mm-hmm. terms of hierarchy, was more senior than I was, is yeah. the way I should say it. Certainly not superior. Was more senior than I was. So it felt like I was at a major disadvantage, et cetera. But at the same time, I look at other people who've worked in places for 16 years and 20 years. And I think to myself, it can't have been all sunshine and roses. Yeah. yeah they yeah. must have endured and just survived, or, you know. Or been able to com- compartmentalize. Yeah, a bit better because I mean I think I'm like you as well that like I've worked in places where I've had really difficult superiors or managers and just literally laying in bed at night thinking about oh my god what if this happens tomorrow what if this person says this to me what Mm -hmm. if they remember this argument we were having what if they you know what I mean what if this happened like I'm just literally laying in bed thinking about work nonstop. yeah and I mean like are there people who literally don't think about work outside of work yeah 100% Of course there are. But I mean, I also think that like, you know, Don says to me, it's it's not even just thinking about work. It's like letting other people get into your head. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so like Don will say to me, can you not just put up with it? Can you not just ignore? Like, do you even care what this person thinks? No. Do I really? No. So why do I care mm. when it's a work situation? Why do yeah. you like, because at the end of the day, we're both adults, right? The fact that they have a more senior title than I do is probably happenstance at the end yeah, of the day yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. it doesn't make them any more important or their no. opinion any more valuable or their estimation of you no. any more weighty so, than anyone else's so why do I allow that to get into my head you know so I'm 
you know, it's still a work in progress. But I do look at these people who've been in places for a very long time. And I think to myself, there's some something to turning the other cheek and truly like not allowing it to get to you. Again, yeah. easier said than done. I think I'm getting better at it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is a job. And if you do your job well and if you're doing the best that you can do, then, you know, all of the rest of it is beyond you. It's like out of your control. You can only control what you control. Anyway, so all yeah. that to say, were there any other reasons that I quit? No, actually, I'm now nearly six years in this job. So that's the longest I've ever been anywhere. So I'm very proud of that. I think the Irish Times was the longest I, I had ever been anywhere. How long like, was that? Well, like freelance is the longest I've ever done a job, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think the Irish Times, I was there about three. Well, I was on a freelance contract always, so I was never fully employed by them. But I think I was with, like I was writing for them or working for them or subbedding for them for kind of three plus years. And that was the longest job. At the, and now, when I started, I was 23 or something. So like at the time, I was like, this is the longest job I've ever had. But now I'm 36 and it's still the longest job I've ever had. Hmm. What about, has anybody ever handed in their resignation to you? No, I don't. I, I've I've never been a manager. What about when you were sense. head cashier? They would have handed in their notice to the to the store manager. Oh, so that wouldn't. Have, well, I mean, I was I was deputy head cashier anyway, so they would have handed it in to the head cashier if that was the position. But it was the <laughs> store manager who would have taken the notice. And I don't even know. I mean, when I worked at Stellar and I was deputy editor, definitely people told me I'm thinking of leaving. Yeah, I mean, I think people are pretty good at you know handing in their resignation and pretty like civil I think those two weeks you know in America and I and, and in Paris it was oh, I remember we handed in our resignation in, in Paris and I was like okay um, Julie and I handed in our resignation at Galeon and we were like here's our letter we're leaving thanks very much and he's like you're leaving in three months and we're like what we'd like to leave in a month and he's like no your contract says you have to give in three months of notice so we had to stay for three months it was longest three months of oh, my life. Torture. The notice period. I, I, yeah. I think I've said this in the podcast before. I feel like if I owned a company and somebody handed in their notice, like unless they, we absolutely could not do without them, I think I'd just be like, I'll pay you for the next two weeks, but leave. Because nobody does any, like, nobody does any good work anyway. Or I certainly don't. Well, I mean, I think, they, I think it depends. I mean, I think most people at least do their jobs. Do you know what I mean? Come in, do their jobs and their grand and like yeah. wrap up and pass stuff off to other people. they kind of do the bare minimum. Though. Yeah, I mean, but like that's normal right I don't yeah. expect a lot more but I, I'll tell you one time somebody handed in their notice to me this was in France and handed in their notice to me and said do you know what you were the worst person I ever worked for but this was the same person I had to sit down and tell them they had really bad BO because the entire department had come to me and complained and I was like I'm really sorry but I think you know you need to use some um, deodorant and wash more often so it was really embarrassing and they were like we hated you all along <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. And did they then have to work out three months? No, no, it was the day they were leaving. They were like, oh. I'm quitting and I hate you. And obviously not in that accent. I'm quitting and I hate you. <laughs> we all have hated you. <laughs> Speaking of amazing French accents, Emily in Paris is back at the end of this month and we will be listening. We will be doing a, a podcast review whether oh. Beatrice likes it or not. Do we have to? Yes. Fine. Yes, we do have to. Oh, life's too short. That's what That's what I've learned. Life's too short for... This nonsense. Although I do love that boss. She's very chic. So why don't you quit the podcast then if life's too short? Do it on my own. To be watching Emily in Paris. Oh. Well, I was going to say I could put the not in brackets. Not without my sister. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my God. Thank you all so much for listening, for waiting for us. Oh yeah, thanks. For biding your time, for supporting us through this time. If you haven't already, you can sign up to our Patreon for $5 a month. And we had been releasing episodes every Friday on Patreon throughout our leave. So there are now loads of episodes you can catch up with there that are just like the main feed, except secret. Thanks for listening. Bye. 
Not Without My Sister is produced by Liam Garrity. Sound and original music by Don Kirkland and our original illustration is by Lindsay Nielsen. Not Without My Sister is a proud member of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts, as is my podcast, the Dublin Story Slam podcast. You can find them all over at thewarren.ie.